Um, what what lovely book did you say we were going to discuss uh, on your end today? I forgot. Oh, well, um, are, are you recording and stuff? Yes, I am. I am. I am. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, the book I've been reading most recently, or I read most recently, is a book called Lucky Purr by Henrik Panoff. Pontipidon. Okay, you're going to have to do that again. Lucky what? (laughs) Lucky Purr. Purr. By Henry Panopticon. Henry Panopticon. Um, Yeah, it's a book I I would say like recommended to me. But yeah, it's a book recommended by uh, Thomas Mann, who's a big fan. Um, The Danish writer from, I think the book was published... Over in eight volumes between 1898 and 1904-ish. I might be wrong on the exact statistics there, the exact data. Um, It's one of it's like a long, sprawling apocal, like his. uh, We're not historical to to them, Uh, but like one of these 19th century, very like patient novels. Um, I. I, Yeah, I, I, I recommend it uh, very highly. Uh, uh, the, the main character is kind of, um, he's, he's like a very, like, definite, or, or, or like, uh, he's a very, like, definitely drawn character um, who, like, shifts and changes, but he's not really, you know, uh, he's kind of hard to describe because um, he has, like, different, like, a, like a person. <laughs> Uh, he has like different urges and different ideas. But, like one turn, he's like um, very Nietzschean and like throwing away the shackles of his family. He, he he's uh, from a like long lineage of Lutheran, serious Danish uh, priests, um, and he's like the mischievous child um, who would like you know. I mean, it's mischievous for like 1870s <laughs> Denmark, so it's like he would steal an apple off of an apple tree or something or like sneak out at night and go, go like uh sledding. Um, you know, there's, there's like, but, but like, you know, to, to the like very upright, very severely Lutheran family that he's in. Uh, those are like huge crimes of their devil. Yeah. Those are like the only sins they've ever heard of. Um, yeah. At one moment he's like casting off his family at the other, you know, the other, he has like very homesick urges. Um, very, uh, yeah. One moment he's like just completely just, uh, uh, I mean, sometimes he's just, like ignorant of his own religion uh, or of, of, of the, the Lutheran <clears throat> tradition. Um, but then he also has, you know, urges to go back home and to, to go back to, to, uh, I don't want to give too much away to go back to Christianity. He's, um, yeah, um, the I, I, I mean, it's eight volumes, or it was originally published as eight volumes. Like my version is, I think, six hundred ish pages. Okay. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's one of these very patient, very like well drawn. It reminded me a little bit of a like a Russian novel. Um, you know, uh, a dozen characters who you know uh, kind of. Uh, merge and change and shape over. Uh, I think the whole action of the—I mean, <clears throat> the whole action of the novel takes place over like. I mean, I guess it would be like fifteen, twenty, twenty-five years uh, in total. Um, 
so yeah, just like patient, like gradual changing of characters and mindsets and ideologies and stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, it's good. Is the main um, character called Per? Per? Is that his nickname or something? Or is that a name? Uh, yeah, in it's Danish? a name he adopts. Okay. His original name was like Peter Andreas, which is like a very Danishy uh, Lutheran name. Um, but yeah, when he leaves home, he doesn't exactly run away, but he leaves home in his mind very definitely. Um, is he takes is, on a new name? Is he a lucky man? This man. <laughs> well, that's a good question, especially because lucky. I was reading. I I I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't read Danish. Um, but the original Danish Lika per um, that word isn't exactly. It, 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 it apparently kind of implies um, a little bit more than just what what we would think of as luck. It's kind of like gifted or. Um, kind of like the gods are kind of smiling on you and, you know, rearranging things kind of, uh, for your benefit. Um, and yeah, he maybe or maybe does not have luck depending, I mean, depending on how you, uh, uh, yeah, at, at different points, depending on, on how you would define that word or, you know, he maybe or maybe is not, you know, gifted or smiled upon by the gods. Depending on how you uh, may, may, might be carried along on the wings of angels or not, depending on how you define any of that um, success or, or, or what, what, what a what a what a welcome destiny would be. But yeah, I don't want to give too much away as far as that. But yeah, the the lucky purr of the title is um, to be read in the most spacious the 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 widest reading of the the word lucky it's not like that's one of my least favorite words but it's he's good at sloth that's one of my least favorite words but it's also a very convenient word you know it's like cliches that really work you hate to use them but yeah it's an easy word to use in in a lot of a lot of times yeah apparently there's no exact i don't want to pretend to to know what what a better translation would be but yeah apparently there's no exact translation for what the, the the concept in the 19th century danish um so forgive me for my ignorance about thomas mann did he, did he write around the same time or was he just a fan was he a little uh, later he was writing like Bruden books if i remember correctly was like 1899 ish um so yeah he was writing between you know the okay. end of the 19th century up to like 1940, if I remember correctly. I think he won his Nobel Prize in like 27, off the top of my head. Not totally sure. The Nobel Prize. He did not come up that much in Quiz Bowl, so I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Some some people their their Nobel prizes for what uh, the Americans uh, like Steinbeck won his in 1962. Right. Um, but yeah, those are the ones that came up in Quiz Bowl. Uh, not so much like the Germans and the. Is Danish. it just inevitable that the prizes that we afford people becomes political? I mean, that that has to be inevitable, right? I don't know. You well, know, well, I mean, yeah, sure. Like Hesse won in nineteen forty six, and Hermann Hesse was a very famous German pacifist who moved to Switzerland because he 
hated ger- the German war machine. So mm. uh, you can see why that prize was given to him. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I yeah, not to take I anything away. Obviously, because yeah, a lot of times the politics yeah. gears towards that was the timing. what you deserve, you know, I understand that. Yeah. But, but I mean, it was 1946. It was, I mean, they gave Winston Churchill a Nobel Prize for literature. That's fucking laughable. Oh, true. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I want to argue the that point. genocider. <laughs> um... Oh, man, Nash. Oh, I mean, speaking... Uh, well, I mean, he did commit genocide. Um, but, yeah, speaking of Nobel Prize, uh, Henry Panopticon won one. The guy who wrote Lucky Purr. He won a Nobel Prize? Now, do they give that out once a year to one person? Typically? I I mean... Yeah. Yeah, okay, wow. Generally. All right. It was like 1917 or something. The original years of the Nobel Prize where they were specifically avoiding, like, Joyce and Proust <laughs> and, like, Chekhov. They wanted to be like alt. I guess maybe Chekhov was a little bit too early. Yeah, they wanted to be alt. Oh, this may be a good time to, to like mention. Danish novelists. Let's mention that we're going to continue the Joyce uh, saga. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, whoever's listening. Yeah, that goes to that It will time. be continued next episode. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I love the name. I love the name of that author. I, I really. Yeah, I really envy John. people with great names. Who are writers mm. naturally without changing their name? You know, it's such a lucky thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, he himself was had, had some, some graces with luck. Like he was supposed to. He, he trained to be like a. Uh, he trained at a polytechnical school, and his whole dream was to go on this excursion to the North Pole. And he got cho- somebody else got chosen in front of him, and then. So that was like like he became a writer in spite of this, or, or mm. you know, uh, because his dream didn't come true. And the guy who got chosen for the North Pole adventure died. So that's why I love uh, reading biographies. You know, it feels like mm. it speaks to you. You know, oh, things will come your way. Don't worry, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. But yeah, no, that's I love I love knowing things like that. You know. Um, Someone mentioned the other day yeah, that he was a little bit. This is kind of cherished by the gods, I guess. I'm stealing this from a, a, a something I heard on the Tom Woods podcast, and he mentioned how he was talking about different presidents, you know, and we've we've gone from George Washington to Joe Biden, and a, a fact about Calvin Coolidge is that he answered. I think it was Coolidge. Anyway, the point the point isn't who it was, but someone answered the door as president, like went to the door and answered it if someone knocked. Oh. and think about how different that is between then and now you know what i mean that's such a different world than we have now so i love knowing the little facts about people's lives it just it really especially writers when i'm reading them you know because it just enlivens my enjoyment of their book so the fact that he wanted well, to I go didn't to know the, any of that while he was while i was reading it <laughs> okay well no but i'm just saying it's it's cool i love little facts like that yeah. that that uh give you yeah. insight to the writer um but i was also thinking that since we haven't done a what you will for like a year i have like a whole list of books well nash if you were a call i can just well there was a novel i was supposed to read and we we need to do that because i bought the novel Um, oh housekeeping yes so we still have to do that you you haven't read it i guess you said you bought it i did buy it i did buy it i did buy it (laughs) yeah 
I've had like a year to read it. <laughs> um, but I did buy it. I read Housekeeping right after I read Niels Lena, which are two of my favorite books, and it was just like a weird week. <laughs> like, there's a two uh, little devastating novels. Um, all right. Yeah, two like of my favorites. Do you want to go into Brave New World, or you got anything more to say about your delightful volumes? Uh, I wouldn't say it's also like a lot. Yeah, it's it's. it's I, I, um, What's yeah, the tone of it? What's the tone of the book? Is it and, sort of a fun read? Uh, I mean, I I don't know what I I don't think people would think of it as fun. Okay. Um, okay. He's 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 an expert of like mining <laughs> psychological states of of um. It, I mean, it's also just like a like a sociological document of the time. Um. The guy's like almost married to a Jew, or I'll say is engaged to a Jew, um, and that's 19th century, or end of the 19th century Jewish uh, situation was, um, yeah, even more tenuous uh, than uh, it would be later, or is now. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. Uh, Characters like run into Jews being forced out of Russia and stuff um, because yeah, Denmark is right there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's got this huge suite, but also like like uh, it's a very specific novel throughout. Um, like I said, he's uh, kind of mining uh, states of being. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I I I don't know. How, I mean, the 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 mood kind of changes. I, I guess it's. It's um, in the tradition, sort of, of like Danish uh, realism, realishism. Um, part of, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> like the Danish modern breakthrough of like nineteen or eighteen like seventy to nineteen hundred, which also includes my beloved Niels Lina by Jan Peter Jacobsen. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of beyond the like fluffy romanticism of maybe the earlier novels. And certainly, I mean, Denmark has like that tradition of like um, Hans, Peter, uh, Hans Christian Andersen and like, uh, you know, romantic fairy tales and stuff. Um, very much like a, like a realistic, realish novel kind of naturalism. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I I can I really I I always long for long detailed novels that carry me through like yeah. from the 18th century and I never read them but I always long for them. Like I always March or... I always imagine I would love them, you know. <laughs> and with my tea yeah. and the thunderstorm outside. But one day, one day I will. Yeah, uh, yeah this is yeah, this is this is very like, you know, characteristic of of or, or yeah, um if you like that kind of experience, I um Obviously, I read it in translation because um, I don't read Danish. But uh, yeah, if you yeah like delving into a novel for a couple of days or weeks or whatever, um, kind of being enveloped by it. I have noticed. Uh, I will say a side effect of the coronavirus situation. I have become a faster reader, which, as you know, I've always longed mm. for um, because I've been reading more. That's the only difference. Um, so yeah. Uh, I I don't think I'm to your level at all, but I am impressed with my 
uh, increase in speed. Yeah. So I'm getting there. We want to read Finnegan's Wake. Yeah, exactly. Wake We're coming up to Finnegan's <laughs> Wake. You've always said that, so maybe that'll help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking. Cool. Speaking. Um, go ahead. I was gonna say. I was are, gonna. Are, are you d- switching over d- to yours? D- yeah. Yeah, but I we don't mean, have I to. I haven't read Brave New World, Brave New World, since high school. I was like thirteen. Okay, I read it before Cause... high school. I read it in middle school. Ooh, twelve or thirteen. Oh yeah, <laughs> I read it in high school. What an accomplishment! <laughs> um, what it? So I, I first of all, let's just say the the name and the author, Aldous uh, Aldo. Uh, he has a hard name. Aldous Aldous Huxley. <clears throat> Brave New World. What was your thirteen-year-old uh, impression of it, and how did it affect you? Do you remember it in any way? Because that's one of the things I'm about to um, discuss real quick. Uh, I think I remember. I, I not like you know beat by beat. Um, right. There's some things that I remember, like uh, some images and and and, mm-hmm. and the kind of basic idea of people kind of consuming themselves into a kind of oblivion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember, I remember the, the soma. Tea. The not tea? the cross. The T for Ford? T. Yeah. yeah, which is like a little bit, I had to look that up, I'm sure, or I had to ask somebody. I was like, I, I, I don't know that I would have known what a Model T was. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember it was it was uh, during <clears throat> the beginning of the Bush years, so people were talking about 1984 and like the Patriot Act and stuff like that. So people were talking about 1984 mm. and Brave New World always, was like the thing people would say, well, you know, 1984 is a specific, you know, you know, authoritarian sort of socialism. But this other dystopian novel, Brave New World, that's the one that's like actually happening. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's always a little bit more uh, to the bone. It always felt a little bit, uh, I mean, yeah, to be fair, it, it is. Yeah, uh, it, it does capture uh, it better, right? Apt. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I I was reading a little bit, much like you, on Wikipedia about the the author, um, Aldous Huxley. Great name. I love that name. Great author's name. And the reason behind that he wrote it was he was inspired by that. Who, I'm blanking on the author's name, of course, when I have to remember it. The uh, the science fiction writer in the late um, 1800s to to early 1900s. H.G. Wells? Yes, H.G. Wells. He wrote it as sort of a parody of H.G. Wells who kept writing these uh, utopian novels about the future and how Hmm. science was going to save us all. And he he began it in that, for for that reason, almost as a joke. And there is kind of like a a lot of tongue-in-cheek in the in the book and i think he, he when yeah. he delved into it it became more and more serious to him uh as he ended up writing it um and completing it um to to make us to make serious points about where you know what he saw about the consumerism and um the pleasure that people were seeking in the in the culture that he was in um you know i read it in high school Definitely. and it it was one of those books because i wasn't a reader as a kid at all unlike you i think you you were a reader correct on your own apart from School. Uh, like starting in middle school, I would say. <clears throat> okay. Not that much before I was like ten. Yeah, I never, I never did that. I read, I read to my, um, to my discredit. I just think you, I really envy kids who were readers thing. because I don't feel like you can catch up to that. Um, 
It's anyway. I, I, I don't know. I think you can because the kids who are readers <laughs> are reading kids books generally. They're not reading like oh, the Pickwick papers necessarily. I mean, kids who are reading the Pickwick papers, yeah, you can't catch up with that. That's um, what I mean. Like, I wish yeah. I had at thirteen desired to read Brave New World. There was no okay. influence in my life that would have inspired me to do that. Anyway. Mm. Neither here nor there. In high school, I read it for an assignment, and it had a huge impact on me because I had never read anything near it, you know, nothing close to being like it. Um, and, you know, what I remember thinking... Had you, had you read 1984 or not? Nope. No, I hadn't. Okay. Uh, I don't remember what grade okay. I read it in, but... Uh, yeah, so the impression was, like you said, I remembered the Soma and the people losing themselves in drugs and then mm-hmm. i really remembered the ending which was which is um when the savage also known as john in the book kills himself and i remember how desolate i felt when i closed the book i think i was actually at summer camp because i was reading it for summer reading or something and um okay. anyway i just remember being just a bit shaken after i finished the book and i said my god that was a powerful book i didn't like it at all i really didn't enjoy it because it kind of unnerved me a little bit. I remember I had that experience when I read the book Night by Eli Weiss. Or, yeah, what, Bissell. You know, I kind of had the same emotion after that book where it was just like, ugh, I don't know what to do with this emotion that it stirred up in me, you know? And I really regret that I didn't get more from it, you know, because I'm re- I reread it. And... Right. Yeah, I, I I just think it has, like you were saying about the Bush years, about these years, all of the all of the years. <laughs> it has such application, <laughs> you know, and it's a it's an insight into sure, being a, being an individual contrarian that 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 really I value it in this in this age, and especially in coronavirus and so forth, when you feel like your life isn't in your control, you know, and it really made me turn to reading. Okay, as an example of. Something that is more eternal than the passing political fashions or the passing ability to go to work and so forth um, and have a community of other people. Books in memory and things that you get from reading, it's way, it's, it's just a special thing to, to, um, to delve into in times like that, I think. So that, that's another thing I got from rereading it. Um, of inherent value as opposed to transactional value? That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, because my, you know, that's a good sort of definition of why I had my community at work. I mean, I still have a community of friends that I got at work, but it was stolen from me in a sense, you know, from the, the situation for about a year now. And I haven't seen many of those people in a year. And so I just didn't have what gave me that happiness. And they, they, you know, you know, I don't want to call it transactional completely, but yeah, obviously we were together for, for making money. You know, it wasn't like we were together because, we loved literature or something, yeah. So anyway, it's so that's sort of a positive I would say out of the situation from the past year. And this book resounds, you know, with the savage coming into civilization and 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 meeting everybody who doesn't care about anything that's that's beautiful or true or eternal, um, and not having them understand what he means. You know that that I really resonated with that. Um, and it made me ashamed that I wasn't more like the savage. 
I wanted to read a couple of things I underlined. There's this scene near the very end where the savage has been taken from the reservation where they keep, you know, the people who aren't like, uh, who aren't involved in the new civilization where everybody takes Soma and doesn't learn anything and is given a role from birth. Um, and happiness is the whole goal. And the whole, the goal is not to to be an individual and fulfill anything inside of yourself, but it's to do what the state has directed you to do from birth, okay? So he's he's met with the director of this area of the world at this point, which is under like a dictatorship, you know, sort of a benevolent dictatorship kind of situation. And the guy's name is Mustafa Mond. And Mustafa Mond is a scientist. He's informed and an intelligent guy who chose this path. He had a choice to become someone that was shunned and become an individual on an island where they send all the people that decide to be individualistic and artistic. And he chose this path to where he became like middle management and moved up to become dictator of this large section. And they were basically arguing about the meaning of life. And uh, I wanted to, I guess I'll just read something that, that the director, Mustafa Mann, says. Um, he's talking about happiness versus understanding and knowledge, basically. And he says, universal happiness... Um, universal happiness keeps the wheels steadily turning. Truth and beauty can't. And of course, whenever the masses seize political power, then it was happiness rather than truth and beauty that mattered. In spite of everything, unrestricted scientific research was still permitted. People went on talking about truth and beauty as though they were sovereign goods. And then there was a, I'll, I'll summarize, and there was a war. After the nine years war, people were ready to give up even their appetites to have even their appetites controlled then. Anything for a quiet life. Um, and there's this distinction that is made in the discussion he has with the savage about happiness versus the right to be unhappy by by understanding things. You know, Because if you don't know things and you don't care about learning and you have an ignorance... How happy is the blameless festival's lot? Say that again. Uh, how happy is the blameless Vestal's lot? Boom. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, it's 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 a weird it's a weird book, and it's it really it leaves a strange impression. I think, if you, especially if you read it for the first time, and uh, it encourages you to I think to strive for, specifically being someone who reads Shakespeare, actually, because that's the whole right. that's the whole obsession the savage has in his uh, reading life is is the plays of Shakespeare. And um, it gives him, it kind of relates to what we discussed when we talked about why reading is, is, is good right. and helpful. Because it gives you language um, to an, and, and experiences from, from other people to explain what you're going through, you know, and explain how you can navigate life and explain it and talk to yourself well, but about also it. also to, like, not, I mean, also to, like... Uh, it doesn't have to just be like some kind of sympathetic uh, explaining your own life, but like, yeah, uh, some whole realm that you've never experienced. Yeah, but much. what what it does, that's true. Yeah, I don't want to reduce it. It gives him, specifically for the savage, as he learns to read and as he's exposed to Shakespeare, it gives him language to that makes everything more real to him. You know, because he, he's in a situation where even on the reservation that he's basically banned to, 
Uh, and the only reason he gets out is because he's like yeah. this 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 creature of interest for um, like a freak show in London. Um, even in his civilization, I underlined something. You know, he was he was shunned because he was different. So he was always alone on the reservation. And when he came to civilization, quote unquote, in London, he could never be alone. And that made him sad, you know. So his struggles of being different, he was able to explain it to himself, I think, by reading Shakespeare. Um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, Aldous Huxley, though, I read a little bit about him. He uh, he came from a literary family and an accomplished intellectual family and had mm-hmm. had uh, pressures to be to be very smart and intel, you know, and and accomplished as a as an artist. Did you have to talk about him at the uh, the quiz bowl? Uh, I guess he doesn't really come up. Um, have you read anything else by him? He doesn't have a lot of other. I read uh, Chrome Yellow. Yeah. And I think Point Counterpoint. Okay. I would like and to read a more. Of a book. I think he wrote a book about drugs that I've looked at but not read. Doors of Perception? Yeah, that's a book I see listed here on the back. Yeah. Good memory. Um, well, I've only like flipped through it. I'm not that interested in psychedelic drugs or reading about I'm not that interested in reading about psychedelic drugs um that's kind of beside the point um great uh, great that he came from like a, a very venerable Victorian family right right he was yeah he was British he was born in Surrey England mm-hmm. I love that picture of him you know the iconic picture of him with the glasses and the shadow of the glasses the profile almost but it's sort of a Three quarters photograph. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen that. Definitely it's a really sick picture photo. to bring back a word we used to say. Ooh. Yeah, it's a sick picture, man. I dig it. 